Hello, everyone. This is Michelle Birdie, and you're listening to The Wordsworth from the Moscow Times. This should be a happy moment for me, the Moscow Times, and The Wordsworth. May 2022 marks my 20th anniversary writing the column. If at any time in those 20 years you told me that I'd meet this date in a rental apartment in a country I'd never been to before, with none of my books and few of my possessions, unsure when or even if I'll ever return to the country I called home for so many years, I would have thought you were crazy. Everything has changed in the last three months, and it has been really hard to know how to begin again. It's not just the absence of my wall of reference books, or living in a smaller and slightly different Russian-speaking environment. I've also thought a lot about the millions of people who hate the very sound of Russian now, who associate the language with death and the destruction of their homeland, even if they once associated it with neighbors, friends, and beloved members of their family. I would feel the same way. This column is not for them. So, for a while, I didn't know if I should continue. But, for 20 years, my job has been to explore the Russian language, so I decided to keep at it. And it does seem fitting, for me anyway, that I left Russia largely because the Russian government outlawed certain words, or rather outlawed their use in certain combinations and contexts. You can't write about words when some of them are forbidden. But now I'm in a place that doesn't outlaw words, and I thought I'd catch up with a short glossary of the new Russian language reality. Words forbidden, words explained, and words remembered, sadly, once again. Let's begin with the difference between Spetsalnaya Vayenlaya Operatsiya, Special Military Operation, which is the description of what Russia is doing in Ukraine that the Russian government allows, and Vaina, war, the word that must not be used. Although Spitsalnaya Operatsiya is defined in many different ways, all the definitions have one thing in common. A special operation is always limited in scope. It is forma vidinia vayenlich dystvi, которая проводится в соответствии с единым замыслом и планом на театре войны, установленный период времени. A form of warfare that is carried out based on one concept and plan in the theater of war in a fixed period of time. It is limited пространственным размахом, продолжительностью, in scale and duration. When abbreviated to спецоперация, it sounds like a quick task of get in, get out. But as far as I can tell, even the slangy спецоперация can be much bigger than what in U.S. English and practice are called special ops. Still, специальные операции are only part of a larger military effort, that is, a war, even if they are very big in and of themselves. For example, one of the biggest ones in modern history was операция Bagration, стратегическая наступительная операция Великой Отечественной войны, проводившаяся с 23 июня до 29 августа 1940 
1944 года. Operation Bagration, a strategic offensive operation of the Great Patriotic War, carried out from June 23rd to August 29th, 1944. And there was also Operacia Barbarossa, Operation Barbarossa, the German invasion of the USSR. It's considered an operation because it was just part of the war Germany was waging. Now, Vaina war is a very different matter, and it's also defined with much greater variety. Объявление войны юридическая дипломатическая процедура в международном праве. A declaration of war is a legal and diplomatic procedure in international law. The procedure is предупреждение одним государством другого о прекращении между ними мира и переходе в состояние войны. One government warns another that peace between them has ceased and they are entering into a state of war. But that's just one definition. Военные авторы обычно определяют войну как вооруженный конфликт, в котором соперничающие группы обладают достаточно равными силами, чтобы сделать исход сражения неопределенным. Military writers usually define a war as an armed conflict in which the two warring sides are almost evenly matched, which makes the outcome of warfare uncertain. Or there's this definition. Война – это вооруженная борьба между государствами. Цел войны навязывает противнику свою волю, заставить изменить поведение, отдать часть территории, отказаться от идеологии и другие. War is an armed conflict between states. The goal of war is to force the will of one state on its opponent, making it change its behavior, hand over part of its territory, give up its ideology, etc. So, is it a special military operation or is it a war? Here's what I think. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Another issue is the goal of the Russian military efforts in Ukraine. Объявляя о вторжении России в Украину, президент РФ Владимир Путин заявил, что одной из целей военной агрессии является денацификация Украины. When he announced Russia's invasion into Ukraine, Russian President Vladimir Putin said that one of the goals of the military aggression was the denazification of Ukraine. Russian political figures and the state media used three names to describe the Ukrainian leaders and, in some cases, all or most Ukrainians. All three words have primary meanings that don't really apply now. For example, they're called Nazisti, Nazis, defined as Staroniki Nazisma, члены Nazistki Party, supporters of Nazism, members of the Nazi Party. Or they're called Neo-Nazisti, Neo-Nazis defined as supporters of Nazism, Nazism, modified in accordance with contemporary conditions. Or they're called fascisti, fascists. These are supporters of fascism, 
крайно правая националистическая идеология и движение с тоталитарной структурой, диаметрально противоположной демократии и либерализму. Фашизм an ultra-right-wing nationalistic ideology and movement with a totalitarian structure that is diametrically opposed to democracy and liberalism. These three names are used pretty much interchangeably. One day the president of Ukraine is called Nazist, and the next day the same Russian politician calls him Neo-Nazist, and, probably most importantly, all three harken back to the German Nazi party and what Russians call the Great Patriotic War, the part of World War II after the German invasion of the Soviet Union. The words push the buttons of historical memory, which has been constantly cultivated. They might as well just call them Mirzovtsi, bastards, or Zlodyei, evildoers. In English, we often use lowercase Nazi with an identifier as an insulting way to describe an unbending and narrow-minded person who wants to control an activity or practice, like a fitness Nazi or a food Nazi. In Russian, they don't use Nazist this way, but they do often use Fascist as an insulting word that means krajnie zlobny, agresivny człowiek, an extremely ill-tempered and aggressive person. Now, with all this name-calling and official list of prescribed usage, people might slip up unintentionally or even intentionally. In those cases, some Russians are reviving an old tradition that was almost lost, danos, informing on someone. The person who delivers the information is danoshik, an informer, and the process is danasit, to denounce, to inform on. Sredivas ni možet danoshikov, None of you can be informers because you can't inform on yourself. In slang, the verb pair used is stuchet na stuchet, literally to knock, and the informer is stukach. Kak nedavno vyjasnilis, on bol stukachom. It recently came to light that he was an informer. He informed on his acquaintances. Like so much Russian slang, stuchet seems to have been coined in prison. Prisoners knock on the cell doors so that the guard will take them to the officers in charge, and no one goes to the prison officers to chat about the weather. In any case, the image is very convenient. You don't actually have to say the words, you can just knock on the table and everyone knows what you mean. On the other hand, sometimes it needs to be spelled out. You better stop with the enemy propaganda or I'll have to inform on you to the security guys. If someone says that to you, consider another old tradition. Voluntary Exile. That's all for this week from this exiled columnist. See you all again next week, and in the meantime, keep reading and supporting the Moscow Times. Пока! До встречи на следующей неделе!